This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. I am joined today by a different guest. Of course, you guys know him and love him. Craig Earlham. Hey, Craig, how you doing? Really good, mate. How are you? I'm good. And uh, we're back on the podcast here today. I've been doing it with Ed a few times. So it's nice to have your your uh, your commentary here today. Uh, today is an interesting one to have you back on for, of course, because we, of course, are uh, just coming off of uh, Jackson Hole, where we got some um, some some commentary from Jerome Powell, which at least from my reaction to what was said, it uh, was it was a pretty kind of staunch, hawkish as somewhat expected statement from him. Uh, we've talked about this off and on camera or on the mic, of course, uh, about you know what, what we expected him to kind of say. And it does seem to fit that narrative. It was um, you know a defensive stance on inflation. Uh, we still have the room to, to raise rates if necessary. Uh, and that you know they're very, very committed to their thing. We've heard this story many, many times. What was different, do you think, that caused the markets to sell off the way they did, right? Indices are down quite a bit. The dollar's flying high. What was your take on it? Was there anything that really stuck out to you today? I'll be honest. I, I think it kind of went according to plan. I mean, if you'd have asked me before what was he going to do, I'd say he's going to remain vigilant. He's going to insist that another rate hike is possible. He's going to insist that rates are not going to cut anytime soon and that they're going to stay high for long. Uh, and that's basically what we've had today. I guess the one thing he has done is he's talked about when we're basically saying we can't really get uh, inflation back to target on a sustainable basis without the economy underperforming its uh, its kind of average uh, and without the labour market um, kind of easing a little bit. And they're two things that have caused longer term yields in particular to rise over the course of the last few weeks, this view that, well, actually, despite everything, the labor market's still performing really well. We're not seeing the same levels of job growth, but we are still seeing incredible tightness, low unemployment. So what Powell's effectively saying there is, if you were to ask me now, I think Powell's saying, if you were to ask me now, I think we're going to rate hike again. Uh, But um, that can change uh, as per the data. I don't think they will hike again personally. I think there's going to be plenty of data over the next couple of months, which is going to convince them to stand part again. But I think Powell at this moment would vote for a hike if he had the chance to. Um, and I think that was the message which came through, and that's what's maybe sent the market into a bit of a, a little bit of a frenzy. Um, and I think it's not necessarily what they'll do next per se, but I think in terms of cutting expectations for next year, that's been pushed back another month on the back of his comments. These things do fluctuate quite considerably, let's be honest. Um, we were never going to be completely without um, without action. Uh, but I think when we sit back in the cold light of day over the weekend, going into next week, people are going to look at his comments and say, what else did we expect? Yeah, no, I think, I think in terms of what you had to say there about, um, you know, upcoming rates i think that if you asked a lot of people you sample size a large number of people you know how much further you think the interest rates are going most people would say maybe one probably uh, none right there's like that kind of camp where that's where a lot of people are at what's more i think impactful to the market right now and and at least to uh, what seems to be spooking the markets is you know real rates are remaining elevated and how long is that going to sustain itself and is that potentially going to start cracking into the business margins that are out there you know um you know is that going to start really hurting business performance and perhaps even lead into the labor market taking a hit uh as well so i think maybe the reaction is lesser so a surprise to 
you know, a, a hawkish kind of stance from the Federal Reserve, uh, and, and more just the probabilities of the Fed becoming softer sooner uh, had to kind of be ruled out, right? They, they came out and kind of renewed their mission uh, in, a, in a stronger than perhaps what we've been seeing way. So it's like, hey, you know, we, we might stay elevated. So and it's clear to see, you take a look at the two year and it, it just flew past the highs. And I think, uh, well, not the all time highs or, or but several, several weeks highs and now actually even coming very close. We're at 5.084% on the two year. It's very close to that 5.11% handle that we saw uh, back in uh, you know early July and once before that back before the the big sell-off and, and yields in March so it's an interesting spot to be at uh, you know ha- ask me three months ago I would have expected things to sort of been cooler by now, uh, but it does seem like the Fed is is sticking strong to their concept with uh, elevated ranks rates now for a suspended time. I think that's really what's interesting to me is it's not necessarily you know the debate has moved a lot less from like how many more times are they going to go to now the conversation is like well when are they going to soften when are they going to crack and and possibly show signs of you know uh, not wanting to hurt anything else too much. What what do you think on that front? No, I totally agree. Uh, I think that's where the debate has gone. This is the natural course of events. We were going to see how far we were going to tighten, how high it was going to get, and then the conversation was going to be right now. When can we start expecting rates to decline? I mean, you talk about three months ago, three to six months ago. We've got to remember market forecasts or markets were expecting rate cuts from September. That's next month, and the chances are we may not be done. Well, I say the chances are. The chances are we are done, but there is the prospect of another hike rather than rate cuts. At one point, three to six months ago, we were markets were expecting three to four rate cuts this year between September and December. So things have changed a lot, and things have changed a lot in the last month. I've got a chart here from the kind of Refinitiv Icon uh, terminal, and it basically shows implied rates or the implied yields uh, over the course of uh, the next few years. And it shows one month ago and today, and you can quite clearly see that expectations now are about 25 to 50 basis points uh, higher uh, over that time than they were a month ago. Initially, roughly the same over the course of the start next year. But then the path of easing from then is now expected to be uh, much slower, basically a lag of maybe two to three meetings uh, from where it was. And that's just over the course of the last three weeks that that has really happened. So I think that's one of the reasons why the Fed is continuing to push back. We've talked about this before. I think the message from the Fed was always going to be very clear. It was going to be... We're hawkish, we're hawkish, we're hawkish, we're hawkish. Right, we're going to start cutting rates. And it was they were, they were never going to give us a long lead-in between um, remaining hawkish and cutting rates. There wasn't going to be a three- to six-month mission of softening language because they know that as soon as they give the slightest hint that we're moving back towards cutting rates, the markets will get carried away. They do. Anytime they... Anytime they say anything that's perceived as remotely dovish, the markets get excited. So that's going to remain the case. And I think that's why Powell's retain this hawkish stance today. And he knows the power of the platform as well. We've got to remember, this is no ordinary speech. This is Jackson Hole. This shouldn't be that big an event. But the problem is, his predecessors like Ben Bernanke and, and others have used this as a platform to announce major, major policy shifts. And that's why there's always so much focus. That's why there's such so, so much heightened attention on this event. So he's been very, very careful today to remain hawkish. He doesn't want to sound any different than he did the last meeting and i think as i say when the dust settles people will agree that what he said today is absolutely no different than what he said a week ago two weeks ago and a month ago 
That's interesting that you you point that out because uh, you know it's almost like he has this opportunity to to really kind of make his uh, his claim when the most eyes are going to be on him and the most serious uh, people are going to take him the most seriously with that. You know, I always kind of make this point on the podcast, but I find it very important to to point out uh, consistently that have you know if any of us were in Jerome Powell's position. And you have this this duty to deliver on the inflation front. It's exactly like you're saying. They're not going to rush to tell us, hey, things are great and things are in the right direction because that sounds you know, dovish and it could actually act to really work against the agenda of what the Fed wants to do. They want to get inflation. If, if they came out and said, hey, things are really progressing and we're really happy with where we're at, you know, inflation might come running right back in uh, you know, as, as, of course, people go heavy into stocks and companies are spending tremendously again and hiring. So I totally, there is a little bit of a agenda there that has to be protected in these sort of things. But I would tend to agree, you know, today, uh, and, and again, Craig, the, the wonderful thing about, uh, you know, post-production and putting things out like this is that we'll make these statements. And by the time it gets up, you know, our listeners can point at us and say, well, you guys were dead wrong or you guys were so right. But I, I generally tend to agree that today, you know, Jerome Powell doesn't seem, it sounded like he was kind of giving a stern warning, uh, a stern lecture, but it really, you peel it back. It's just the same thing said with a with a stronger tone. Uh, at least that would be my perspective as well. And, and you know, as we speak, the NASDAQ is down, uh, you know, on the day, it gave back some of its gains, but the stock market's not like we're down another 1% like we were yesterday, 1%, 2% on, on the major indices. We're just under flat at the time of recording this on, on the indices. The dollar is up. Um, you know, like I said, the yields are up as well. Uh, but the question is, is is this, uh, and, and I guess maybe that's that's where we can have a little fun with it too, Craig, is, is going forward what do you think? I mean, now that we've had this big uh, statement and, you know, the stock market has sold off for, for two days straight, you know, as the dust settles, what do you think? Is this is this going to be kind of a persistent downtrend in the markets for a little while longer? Is the dollar going to keep going? You know, where are you at with all that? I'm not necessarily convinced, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I've taken August with a large pinch of salt. I think August is always an untrustworthy month. I feel like any month that starts with people talking about an event four weeks later isn't a month that you shouldn't pay too much attention to, especially when that month is the summer holidays, when people are away, when there's not an enormous amount of activity, when the big uh when the big events aren't really taking place you got the bank of england which has a big meeting in august but apart from that everyone's looking at september for the ecb the federal reserve and this that and the other um so i i tend not to pay too much attention to august obviously the last couple of years with the pandemic's been a bit different but i think generally we can sometimes put a little bit too much emphasis on what's happening now in the same way that we kind of can in the kind of last two weeks of december as well i think we need to take a little step back and it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if september much more resembles july than it does august um in terms of where the markets are i mean i'm looking at the, res the response today and like you say we've kind of sold off a bit but the Nasdaq's down half a percent. Dow's actually slightly in the green. You look at gold, it fell off, but it didn't even go below $1,900. Um, like I said, the thing in yields is probably the most stark um, evidence of the kind of hawkish me message that we've seen and the dollar in response to that. But when we look more broadly, I think if today would have been a great surprise, we wouldn't be talking about moves of less than 1%. And that's what we're talking about. And I've seen moves of more than 1% in the last few weeks on the back of basically nothing. So 
I think this is a sign that, yeah, we've seen volatility, we've seen choppiness. Of course we have. I mean, we it takes a lot of discussion and debate within the Fed when they copy and paste their meeting uh, minutes or the, the, the meeting statement from the last meeting to this one. And there's a lot of debate about whether they change a word from modest to moderate or from modest to slight or whatever. Because they, 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 they know that they are a central bank, quite uniquely, that are talking to traders. Um, and, and I think that that always comes across. When I hear from the Bank of England, I always feel like they're talking to the public. Uh, and maybe that's just the way that, that they want to position themselves. But you feel like they are trying to converse with the public a lot more. When you hear from the Fed and you hear from, from Jerome Powell, but the same his predecessor as well, I always feel like they are talking directly to traders. And every little sentence, every little word within that sentence has been carefully constructed to send the perfect message to traders because they know what goes wrong when they go off key. And that's because they have much more responsibility for that. The entire markets listen to what the Fed says. The entire markets doesn't pay attention to what the Bank of England says. And that, 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 that that's probably why we do see them take far more care and attention in, in, in that type of thing and how they talk and who they're talking to and who their primary message is for. Um, and like I said, I think the key thing we can take away from the market response today is that it's worked. They've said what they wanted to. They've carefully constructed this message at a massive event. There's been an awful lot of hype around. They haven't caused too much worry. They haven't caused too much panic. And they also haven't caused too much excitement. And I think that's the perfect blend of what they're looking for. For me, September was always the key one. Was it We're three weeks away now till the next Fed meeting? We've got a jobs report next week. That's the most important thing as far as these markets are concerned. And I feel like we can all like sit back now and... Enjoy our weekend, knowing that this is caused, this is passed without too much panic and too much frustration. Yeah, I think uh, your your point about just August being a kind of a quiet month is really important too. You got, you have to kind of think, you know, a lot of people on vacation, a lot of people getting slowly getting back into school. It's a it's a seasonally quieter time in terms of uh, you know volume on the on the market. So uh, it is a very good point. And and you know, I, I, one last thing I'll leave with on on the what happened here today, all the the stuff is if you look at yesterday, there was a huge sell off. Like you said, a bigger sell off than there was today on the Nasdaq uh, before. Jackson Hole than there was actually at the event and, and when he spoke. So uh, big sell-off was kind of uh, in, in anticipation for what could be said, some fear there. But again, I don't think that there was anything that was said here today that is uh, totally new and totally different from, from what was previously said. Another thing that uh, traders should be probably paying attention to as, as we wrap up on the Jackson Hole commentary is we do also have Lagarde speaking at uh, or in Wyoming here uh, later on in the evening or a day, depending on where you are. Uh, of course, uh, this this will likely move some markets as well, some ECB news, uh, just like, of course, when Jerome Powell gets up, uh, Lagarde commands a lesser but still important amount of impact on markets. And of course, again, kind of speaking to traders there, uh, markets will heavily react to anything that is dropped or said, uh, even if it's so little as as a change in uh, you know tone or optimism, whatever it is, it's, it's heavily anticipated. So uh, of course, next week we will be covering uh, anything that was majorly said there that could be market moving and several other key events as well. Uh, Craig, I want to thank you for, for joining me on the podcast here today for some commentary on this. I know uh, a very eventful day in markets with everything we discussed. So it was good to have your, uh, your commentary and hopefully uh, the listeners were as uh, entertained and helped by it as I was. So Craig, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Always a pleasure. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.